meantime, while they're doing that and some of them getting ready to come back and join us downstairs, if you have Bibles with you, uh, open them to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 12. We are a, a Bible teaching church, so we go through books of the Bible on a regular basis. Strongly encourage you uh, um, to bring a Bible or a phone or a tablet, an app, and have it open. And as, uh, this, is a, this is a message today. I really, really encourage it. Here's the thing. You know, I know, you know I'm going to put the verses on screen and you're going to be able to follow along and, you know, like, I feel like sometimes we should stop doing that because I'm making it too easy for you, right? But here's the thing. If you have your Bible open, you're going to see what preceded the message today, so I don't do, need to do a lot of background. You're going to be listening but also looking around. And there's some stuff that comes up, some amazing teachings by Jesus that follow on from this message today. Yes, we're going to get into them next week and the week after that and so on and so forth. But here's what happens in the gathering of the church when the Word is being proclaimed. is the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you, speak to you, Christian and non. He's present. And sometimes he'll, hey, look at this, look at that. Oh, there's a reference. I could, oh, there's an Old Testament thing. And you go and check it out and all the rest of it. I, I give you full permission to do that. Just no texting, please. All right. I can tell from here. So anyways, I mentioned last week we're in Luke chapter 12. We're uh, going through these verses, verse by verse. We're in verses 4 to 7 today. Uh, I mentioned last week that this passage, the whole chapter, well, all the way to verse 24 in particular, has had a, had a profound effect on my life and ministry, my life as a Christian, uh, 24 years ago, approximately, when I was 40 years of age. Do the math. I know I don't look that old, but anyway, I am. Uh, and and it was, I was in my business career full-on dedicated to being successful, making money. I had a bar. There was a number. It was a pretty big number, and that's what I was aiming at. And so my Christian walk in life was minimal. I'll share more about that in a couple of weeks, in particular one passage that kind of rocked my heart, rocked my world, and it changed the, the, the course and direction of my life, the life of our family, and uh, drew me towards leaving the business world and ministry. But it was just profound, and I'm hoping that you will see as we go through this. It's remarkable what Jesus is doing. We've seen in the last couple of weeks, he goes for lunch at a Pharisee's home. All they want to do is make him out to be a charlatan and make him look bad and so forth, and instead he, he's like that awkward dinner guest, right? He just goes after the Pharisees, woe to you, woe to you, hypocrites, 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 right? And then the lawyers get, the scribes get all, you know, like bent out of shape and like, you're, you're insulting us too. And he goes, okay, woe to you, woe to you. He just, okay, piles it on and it, it's hard stuff, but he's calling them out for the hypocrisy. And, and all along, we need to see this, he's got his disciples with him and, and his heart is, he wants, to, he wants everyone to hear the word of God, him, and believe in Him and trust in Him for their salvation. But He's really focused on His disciples, those who are following Him and leaving everything behind to follow Jesus. And so last week we saw that He really leans into them. There's now thousands of people following after this luncheon, and He leans into His disciples and He goes, guys, listen. And they're all around, by the way. The Pharisees and the crowd are there. He goes, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And so he's, he's starting this, we're going to see this over the next three to four weeks, this, this segment where he's, he's going to lean into the things that are going to potentially cause them to uh, not be able to walk out their Christian life as effectively as they could and enjoy it the way that he intends for them, but also their ministry. 
And so he begins with this hypocrisy thing, and then he, he describes it as leaven, this thing that just gets a little bit of hypocrisy, gets in, and then it spreads to the whole church. If you didn't see last week's message on that, you might want to watch it on YouTube. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting how Jesus unpacked that. And so really, the, the idea was, the big idea was, is that what's going on with people who are religious like that, religious on the outside, is they are hypocrites. It's all a big smokescreen. It, it, it's, it's just a cover-up because their hearts are wicked. They're sinful. But on the outside, they're going, look at me. I'm a good Pharisee. I'm a good Christian. I'm doing all the right things. And so Jesus is essentially saying, no, no, guys, that's, that's a false religion, number one, but it's also a false gospel. That's the idea that you can look good, you can do good, and, and therefore you're good with God? There's a deeper issue going on there that Jesus wants, and really, he essentially said last week, and we saw this, look, sooner or later, it's going to get exposed. Your sin is going to get exposed. You're going to be found out for what you really are. If not in this life, as soon as you leave this life, you're going to be judged for that. And so basically, Jesus was saying, look... Do yourself a favor. Confess. Openly now. Just get it out in the open now. Get it, get it behind you. I'll show you what life looks like, real life. And so it was exciting. So it's very interesting, the progression we're going to see. He's going to go from hypocrisy, although it's, it's through the whole thread of the next 20 verses or so. And then today we're going to look at a really important subject. He's going to go from hypocrisy to fear, which is actually the result of hypocrisy, right? And then he's going to get into greed, and finally, anxiety. Now, I want to suggest to you, I don't know about you, but in my life as a human being, right, uh, not a human doing all the time, but a human being, is, is that the, these are some of the, the most critical struggles that I have had in the past, present, and probably will in the future. Hypocrisy, being truly who I'm supposed to be and honestly who I'm supposed to be. Fear greed, being not so generous, and finally, anxiety, hello. You know, in our church planning network, we have mentors, and uh, one of the first questions when we're discipling somebody and we get together is, we will ask this question, what's keeping you up at night? We ask other pastors that. Let's keep the people in my church, okay? That was a joke, but it's true, too. We all have anxiety. We're all dealing with these things. So again, I, I like to say this, and I think it's true, and I hope you'll see it today. Um, the Word of God is not, it's not some old document and, and dusty thing that's not relevant for today. It's the most relevant thing for today because it's God's Word. It's God's Word. Read with me. I'll read our passage, then I'm going to pray again, and we're going to dive in. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 to 7 says this. Jesus speaking, Luke recording this. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. 
Pray with me. Yeah, Heavenly Father, uh, once again, um, we acknowledge who you are. You are the mighty God, the creator of everything. We love you. We trust you. Lord, today we want to understand how to have a healthy fear of you. So, Lord, again, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take these words, you would teach us and instruct us from the words of Jesus, and and we would understand your heart, his heart, which we know is gracious and compassionate toward us. So, Lord, I pray that we would see that and hear that today, and I pray these things in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So, your sermon title for today is, Why Fear? (laughs) Okay? And I hope to show you three things. What we fear from this text and shouldn't, what we don't fear and should, and then hopefully overcoming fear, overcoming fear. So let me ask this question. We always like to start with this. I do anyway. What do you fear? How would you, in fact, define fear, right? Like, what would, what would you say is, like, okay, that's fear. This is what I fear. These are the things, right? I, I, again, I was thinking about it this week, and, and you know, it, it's pretty clear to me, I and mean, I just look at my own life, but also, you know, counseling people and seeing life and others, it's pretty clear that people are fearful of a lot of things, okay, if we're honest about it. I mean, people, anybody afraid of spiders? <laughs> Mice? Right? Like, yeah, right? Like, there's... There, the, that's fear, right? There's a, literally a fear. People are afraid of heights, right? I can move to this community when I'm a little older and we do that and people go, hey, you want to go rock climbing? I'm going, not at all. It's not going to happen, right? Like when I was younger as a kid, I'd go up there, I would do all that. Today I'm on a, a, like an apartment building that's on the 15th floor and I'm going like this to the railing, right? It's a little frightened. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's, I mean, there's a railing there. But there's fear of that. Then there are people who are like, well, they have fear of the deep, right? right? You know the hashtag, right? Never forget, right? I see this on Facebook all the time. You know, I don't know who would possibly post these things, but it's this. Never forget. Don't forget that they're out there, right? You're on a paddleboard. They're down there. People have a lot of fear, a lot of fear. So look at that first verse with me again. I'll go through some other fears with you in a second, but I'll go back to this. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that, have nothing more that they can do. So obviously, other people fear things like, and I did, believe it or not, many years ago, I, I, believe, I feared public speaking. You're like, what? Me? Get up in front of people? People fear these things, right? They fear public speaking. People fear interviews. People fear dentists. I went this week. Please, no cavities, right? Like doctors, all those kind of things. People fear boys, believe it or not girls, fear asking you out, right? We fear marriage. That's a good fear. Just want to let you know right now, okay? It is. It's a good fear. People fear losing their job. People fear not getting a job. People fear not having enough money. Then there's the famous acronym. You heard that famous acronym, F-E-A-R? False evidence appearing real. You know, that's, that's an interesting one because, no, 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 I have evidence. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be afraid of that, right? But, th- but there's a good point behind that, for sure. It's, it's, I guess it kind of leans into and speaks about the fear of the unknown a little bit, right? That's something that frightens, I think, most of us. And so I believe that we're getting a little bit closer, but we need to dig a bit deeper into this subject to understand what Jesus is teaching us today. 
I think if we're honest and we dig a little deeper, we're going to find that lying beneath most of our fears is one thing, being killed. Death. We have an inordinate fear of death. And, and not just, listen, not just the eventual death. When you're young, you're like, huh, no fear, trust me. <laughs> it, fear starts to become a factor in that. But it's also about the, it's not just the eventual uh, death, it's about the sudden and unexpected, right? I mean, what would be some of the evidences in our culture and world today that we actually fear being killed? It's one that maybe is not obvious to you, but it is to me as I think about it. It would be how as governments and, you know, politicians, but also as countries, we arm ourselves to the teeth, right, with nuclear weapons and all the rest of it. Why? Well, because we want to protect ourselves. We want insurance against them killing all of us. So we fear that. We fear being killed. We fear death. Listen, the bottom line is I think about it. If, if you think about it, I, I, I love the news because in my previous life I was a marketing guy and a business guy, so you know, you got to be you know, finger on the pulse, got to know what's going on. But today I watch the news and I'm like, okay, it's definitely not the gospel, right? There's not much good news. And, and it, it's, it's frightening. The bottom line is, is that we are all living in fear. Everything it seems that we struggle with in our lives is based on some kind of fear. Fear of something. And every day, as I say, you watch the news, the, your Facebook feed, it's all around us. We live in a dangerous, angry, people are dying, people are being killed. This past week, we're celebrating D-Day. Yes, we should honor those men, but war, it's tragic, it's terrible. We're killing each other. If you talk to doctors, or those who are in hospitals, they will tell you that 60% of all hospital visits are the result of primarily stress, anxiety, and fear. The Bible talks about the fact in the end times, the times before Jesus comes, uh, people will, uh, their hearts will give out on them because the climate will be such that fear will be at such a high level, people will be having heart attacks. And that's why people are ending up in hospitals. Jesus is saying this to his disciples, I believe, and to us here today. He does not want us to fear. That's good news. That's awesome. But as we learned last week, it's, it's, not, ju it's not good enough just to say, stop fearing, right? We need, we're going to need some help with that. And, and Jesus, thankfully, is going to give us that help. That's not what he's really getting at. He's not saying that. So what does he mean? Well, Jesus narrows it down for us today to the one thing that we fear that is really representative or behind all of our fears, and it is also the one thing that we shouldn't fear, and it is this, the fear of man, the fear of man. And that, that is exposed to us and comes to us in two unique, unique ways. So it's interesting, again, another question for you would be as we unpack this idea for us today is, what would you think are the top causes of death in our world today? What are the main things that we're dying from in the world today? I think most people would say, well, if you created a list, it would be heart disease, which is maybe brought on by fear, besides unhealthy diets and all the rest of it. Um, cancer. Pneumonia is a big killer of older people when they're hospitalized. 
there's also war and there's guns and car accidents and natural disasters and the list goes on. But there's actually one constant we need to see here today behind all those things. Man. Us. And, and I'm not talking just about the guns and erratic drivers and accidents. And uh, I'm not talking about those things specifically and only that. We need to remember that, uh, thank you, Adam and Eve, right? We are all responsible for death and dying being a part of our world. You remember how that happened with them, right? I mean, everything was perfect. They, they, they had everything provided for them by God. There was no death. There was no dying. They had a better idea, and they, they thought they knew better than God, and they sinned. And as a result of what they did, and we've done too, death reigns. Dying reigns in our world and in our culture. It's interesting. They are put out of the Garden of Eden, out of perfection, out of this place where there is no death and no dying, and they have a couple of kids. Remember what happened in that story? <laughs> the firstborn kills the secondborn. It's right there. Murder is there. But I, I think we need to see that, that this, this is our response. We have brought this decay. We have brought this mankind has brought this into our world. So when Jesus says, do not look at this, do not fear. <laughs> this Let's do it again. Okay. Time out. You think you got these things fixed. It's awesome. So as I said, man is at the, the, the cusp of this. But you look at these words of Jesus here, and he says this. Do not fear. Look at it. This, those who will kill the body. That's important that we see that he's talking about the body, right, when Jesus says these things. And, and, and we understand that, I would hope. Right? Or, or do we? Do you understand that? Do you fully understand what Jesus is getting at when he says those words? Well, again, let's remember the perspective. He's preparing them for the Christian life, but also for ministry. And so, really, he's, he's essentially saying this. And remember the setting. There's thousands of people there. The disciples are the ones right in front of him. It's not Sermon on the Mount, but it's kind of like that. And, and he's a little bit like, hey, guys, listen. Look around. Do you see those Pharisees? Do you see the way that they're inciting the crowd and, and getting them all amped up, whipped up to do what? Kill me. Do you see that? Hey, guys, just need you to understand. This could happen to you, too, if you decide to be my disciple. If you decide to follow me, this could happen to you. And it was true, wasn't it? Eleven of the twelve apostles were put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ. Not just for their faith, but because they would not deny him. They would not stop, stop proclaiming him and preaching him. They were put to death. Other disciples as well, Stephen, right, are put to death in the New Testament church for professing Jesus and their faith in Christ. And so we need to understand, really, also imagine this. The, the people who received the first writing of the Gospel of Luke when it was first written in that day, 20 to 30 years after Jesus has risen and ascended back to God, they're now living under Nero, 
who's incited by the Pharisees and the scribes still to just absolutely eradicate this cult called Christianity. And Nero does a pretty good job of it, trying to kill all the Christians. And so, yes, Jesus is preparing them for it. And you know what? Yes, it happened. It actually happened to them. Then Jesus adds these words. <laughs> and after that, they have nothing more that they can do to you. <laughs> Is that comforting? But that's what he says, and he means it. So what's this all about? Well, in the end, what he's saying is, that's not all of you. You know that, right? Y your body is not you. It's the tent. It's the shell. It's what you live in. You have a soul. And they cannot touch that. Only I can. Only God can. Four or five years ago, I think it was, that Janice and I and a team of church planters from the Vancouver area uh, went to Turkey. Um, I want to be careful about names and so forth uh, in this story because um, missionaries uh, on the ground in Turkey, are, are their, their lives are not safe, by the way, to be a Christian there. We were ostensibly being taken over there, about 20 of us, because we as church planters in Canada who know what we're doing and are so successful are going to encourage them. Whew. It was the other way around. The, the, the fellow who was leading them, we were in Istanbul. We were in a hotel in downtown Istanbul. Uh, we were actually in the basement uh, behind closed doors because it's not safe to be a Christian in Istanbul, Istanbul talking about being a missionary in Turkey. So we're down there, and we were told that when the, the servants came in to do our coffee and so forth, just talk about all the tourist sites we've been going to. Don't mention Jesus, please. So we didn't. The leader of this group, uh, who's still doing what he's doing, amazing man, um, he claimed to not be the Apostle Paul. <laughs> of course he wasn't, but man, his, his life and what he's doing is just like the Apostle Paul. But anyway, he's, he's telling us his testimony. And it was actually a few weeks after the Paris bombings, right, the terrorist bombings, and he mentions that, and you know, like people being killed, and, and uh, Christians being killed in various places, and in Turkey, and how many times he's been arrested, and all, all the rest of it, and he's just telling his testimony, and he's telling about the fact that he could be killed at any day, and all of a sudden he's looking at all of us pastors and our wives, and he stopped, and he was like, because I think maybe he could see it in our faces. He just looked at all of us and goes, you know you won't die, don't you guys? I remember when he said that, I was like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> it was shocking, really. And so we, listen, we, our person and soul does not die. Christian, do you believe that? Non-Christian, you need to believe that. Your life will go on, and where you end up is very important. And that's why Jesus came and died for you. So there is an afterlife, and there is eternity. We, we will enter that part of our life the moment that our bodies die. But here's the good news. The good news, even our dead and dying bodies right, uh, will be brought back to us in a resurrected body, a perfected body. Amen? I'm looking forward to this. I really am. So now, besides having fear... Uh, that another human might actually take our lives, whether with a weapon or a car, for example, or via disease or old age, there is another way to understand fear of man, right? 
There's an under, another way that we should understand that. And we saw it alive and well in the story of the Pharisees in the last couple of weeks, didn't we? I mean, at, at the end of the day, their hypocrisy is a result of their fear. They fear that people will not look at them as the holy and righteous and perfect Pharisees, the best religious example in the world. They, they even feared that they would lose their office, their place of prestige, and the front seats in the, in the church, and in the marketplace, the greetings, and the, the favor that they would be shown, maybe lower prices, right? Whatever it might be, they feared other men. They feared man, and that was their hypocrisy. They also feared that people would know their wicked and unrighteous hearts, so they covered up their sin with outward displays of good works that were intended to make them look good, look righteous. Hypocrisy. We all do the same thing in one way or shape or form. Therefore, listen, I think we need to see this for what it is. The root, hear this, the root of hypocrisy is the fear of man. The reason why any of us try to put on a brave face, actually don't tell the truth about who we are or what our motives is, are, are because we want people to think better of us than we really are. I got the t-shirt. Anybody? So the question I think for us has to be, well, how about it today? What does it look like for us today? Well, again, I think in the same way as the pharisaical hypocrite which we all are capable of being. We demonstrate our fear of others, what people might think of us by putting on an act, giving a false impression in some cases, out and out lying and not telling the truth in others. It's interesting that the word, I didn't mention this a couple of weeks ago, but the Greek word in the New Testament text for hypocrisy or hypocrite is actually the word that could also be translated actor pretender. People understood that when Jesus used this word. So again, fear is what others will think of us and how that will result in our identity or person being figuratively killed. Us not being able to be the person that we want to be seen to be. That person needs to die, actually, in order for us to be who we're supposed to be. So I mean, it's, it's as basic as fearing this. It's very fearing that people, your friends or colleagues, will think, as a Christian especially, will think you're stupid, right? Or, or unscientific, or, or fill in the dismissive blank of whatever it might be for actually believing what's in this book or collection of books, right? And any of you Christians fear that uh, people might think you're not very bright, that you've had a frontal lobotomy because you actually believe the words in this old, ancient document? Many of us are. Many of us are. So here's how it plays out for us in this world today. I'm going to talk about a few things that might be a little challenging for some of us, but I remember also like seven, eight years ago, I was, we were in the Eagle Eye Community Theater preaching a sermon on a different subject, but similar ideas. And I remember looking out at, at the young church that we were then and we are today, which is awesome. And literally the Holy Spirit just, I had a sense of fear and foreboding for them. Because I've been around a while and I'm seeing things happening in our world and culture. And again, I, obviously from my background in marketing, which is about reading culture, understanding culture, where it's going psychologically, philosophically, etc. And I, I felt I needed to warn them. And I took a moment in that 
sermon at the beginning of it and just looked out and guys said, I, I'm really concerned for you, for this generation, for, for the, the, the time in our world that you're living in. Because here's what I believed at that time and I believe it even more so this morning. Your faith, the ability for you to have faith in the word of God, in Jesus, and the truth of everything that he said is going to get crushed. It's going to make you fearful to even declare the name of Jesus Christ publicly. I don't really consider myself a prophet, but it's only six or seven years later. An example happened a couple of months ago that I want to share with you that really kind of blew my mind when I saw it um, because of what it means about fear in our world and culture today for us. Uh, an actress who's a Canadian um, was on a talk show and she gave a very emotional speech uh, speaking into the, the bullying and the harassment of people who are part of the LGBTQ2 plus community in this world. She was crying, it was very emotional. Um, many, many people thought it was an amazing, inspirational speech, and in some ways it was. She herself being a lesbian married to another woman, she spoke very compassionately about this. Unfortunately, one of the examples she used turned out to be a hoax of a fellow actor who was a black man who had said about, you know, he'd been attacked and beat up and, and harassed and all the rest of it. Turned out that he, he paid people to do that. Still, it happens. It happens in our world. Maybe a little bit before that came out, she was emboldened by the fact that so many people tweeted and said, Good, go girl, awesome, we're behind you, we're with, we're with you. In the days that followed, she did something that really made me stop and pause, and that's why I'm sharing this with you this morning. She decided in a completely unprovoked way to call out another fellow actor who happened to be a Christian, and she said this, she tweeted this, she, these were her words. Hey, I think it's about time that some people uh, also look at it this way. We need to call out people who go to, quote, infamously anti-LGBTQ2 plus churches. Christians. It's on. It's full on. Friends, when that happens in this world, here's my question for you. My question, I want you to think about this. I really want you to think about this. What would you say if your employer or your prospective employer, and by the way, they all search out Facebook and Instagram and Twitter to see what they can learn about you. What would you say if they asked you this question? Hey, listen, I, I, I see from your posts that uh, like you're a Christian, are you? Like, um, well, that's interesting. Um, by the way, do you happen to go to an anti-church? What would you say? I think that would be very challenging, wouldn't it? I think it would be very challenging. So I'll tell you what I'm already seeing. What I'm already seeing, and other pastors are seeing the same thing. This social media thing, it's awesome, isn't it? Not so much sometimes, but yes. But... <laughs> Three or four years ago, here's what I saw. Pastors would post Bible verses or, or post something on Instagram about Jesus and, and the gospel and things, you know, very encouraging things. Not derogatory, judgmental, attack things. Please don't do that. But good stuff. And people in their churches would be liking it and, and sharing it and all the rest of it. It's not happening as much these days. It's not happening this, that much these days. I have to question why. I am questioning why. 
Are you tired of Facebook? Uh, that's your excuse? Okay, maybe. Maybe. But is it something else? Is it fear? Is it fear? That people might ask you that question. What kind of church do you go to? What do they actually believe? What's your answer going to be? How are you going to deal with that fear? Here's at the end of the day what the, the, the culture wants to do. Either get you fully on board, you must be on board with what we believe, or be quiet. Silence. It's about the public and the private spheres, right? The secular and the sacred. If you want to believe in your fairy gods and the, the, this ancient old book that says these horrible things about people, which it doesn't, then that's fine if you want to do that in your homes or in your own little head or amongst your little church group, but don't bring it into the public sphere. That's been going on for 40 to 50 years, but it's getting amped up in our world today. So listen, I, I want you to know this. I, I'm not a crazy end times preacher. You guys have been here for eight, nine, 10 years. You know that I'm not, I'm not doing that like, hey, we're in the end times. Look at the clouds, look at the signs. I, I don't do that, right? And there's a reason for that. It's because um, the Bible actually teaches us that we will not know the time or the hour, right? But there will be signs. And so the question I have for you, do, do any of you know the teaching in Revelation 13, the last book of the Bible, the words of Jesus given to the Apostle John about what's going to be happening at the end times? Have you ever heard of the phrase, the mark of the beast? Hmm. Right? It, it, that, that mark is going to be placed on people. They're going to be marked. And, and the reason they're going to be marked is because they will not shut up about Jesus, about the gospel in public. They will not conform to the cultural mores and what the culture wants, and they will not deny the teachings of this book. And you know what happens when people get those marks? They won't be able to get jobs, which means they won't be able to buy food, and so they'll be completely ostracized. Is that happening? Do you see that happening? Again, I, I don't like to talk about politics, but I'm going to have to mention this today because it's just happening. The Prime Minister of our country, the Liberal Party of Canada, has made it known that if you want to be a candidate in the next election, they kind of said it last time, but they made it very clear for this election, if you want to be a candidate for any riding in the Liberal Party of Canada this coming election, if you will not side with the government on the issues of abortion and gay marriage, please do not apply to run for our party. If you're a professor in universities in the United States or Canada, I mean, it's been going on for 30, 40 years when it comes to creation, evolution, Darwinian evolution, uh, you know, professors who don't quite buy into all of the evolutionary theory, all of it, I'm saying, not, not most of it, but all of it. They're being ostracized, losing their positions. But also today, what's happening is something called compelled speech. And if you're a professor and you won't call people by the pronouns they want to be called because you're like, Hey, look, you know, so I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a 60 year old male. I have enough time trying to figure out what to call women. Okay? Like, Ms., Mrs., lady, woman, gal, girl. Like, I don't know. Like, it, you, you, it's almost like you can't get it right. Because every woman is kind of offended at you know, one or the other. And who wants to be offensive? I sure don't. That's, that creates fear in me, I've got to be honest with you. Compelled speech. It's happening in our culture today. And so really, major corporations are even getting in on the act, promoting uh, the cultural awareness of our day and making it very clear that if you want to work for our company, if you want to work with us, 
you're going to be on board with this. I'm concerned. I worry about this. I worry about this. I'm a pastor. I'm a dad. I'm a brother. I worry about this for you. So Jesus wants us to know and believe that he knows, he understands, these are our fears. He totally gets it. These are the things that we fear, but we shouldn't. Why? Well, first of all, Jesus says, do not fear. Is that good enough for you? He says don't fear this and these things. But he gives us some good reasons in our text uh, today, but also from last week's text. He says this in uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Let me see if I can get it up on screen. Yes. He says, nothing is covered up that will be revealed or hidden that will be not known. So here's, here's the thing. Some of us fear that there's going to be no justice. Yeah, I'm going to get persecuted. Yes, people are going to maybe not give me a job or people are going to be upset with me and angry with me because I believe this book and I'm, I'm a Christian and I hold to these values and, and these ideas. I don't hate you. <laughs> I just disagree with you. People are going to kill us. And we fear that there's not going to be any justice. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. (laughs) Don't fear that. The truth will come out. You will be vindicated. And more importantly, I, Jesus, will be vindicated. So that's point number one. (laughs) What we fear and shouldn't fear. Point number two, what we don't fear and should. Jesus goes on, he says, but I will warn you. So he says, do not fear, but I will warn you to fear him. Whom to fear? Who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So on the one hand, it's do not fear, and the other hand is fear this. It's very strong language. It's very strong language. In the Greek, it is uh, is imperative. It is uh, masculine. It's singular. It's one person, one being. Now, some people like to look at that and go, well, That's Satan. That that, that couldn't possibly be God our Father, could it? Satan doesn't have this kind of authority. We need to remember that. Only one person has that kind of authority, and it is our God. He is the one who will judge. Jesus says it three times in this, this passage. Look at it. Three times he says, essentially, fear him. Fear him. So I want you to look at it this way so that we're going to understand. I'm going to unpack that for you briefly, but it's this. Jesus is essentially saying this. Replace your unhealthy, over on this hand, fear of man in this world with a healthy fear of God. That's going to lead us towards the conclusion of overcoming fear. Do that. First of all, replace that fear with this one. It sounds good, but again, we need to ask, what does it mean? Well, first of all, please see this. Jesus is trying to encourage his disciples again. He is. He's trying to encourage them. And they're looking at him right in the eyes. And he's saying essentially this. You should be encouraged that God is the only one, the only one who has the authority to cast you or anyone into hell. You encouraged? (laughs) You feeling it? Like they're looking him right in the eye and he's saying this to them. So what's he getting at? What's the point? What's he meaning? Here, Here it is. Listen. What he's saying is, is that, yes, God is the only one who has the authority to do that to any soul, any human being. But it's by comparison to what he's just been saying is what he's trying to get across. 
and what he's trying to get across, which should be encouraging, is that he's saying, look, if you believe and trust in me, you don't need to worry about those who will kill the body, those who will persecute you in this life. They essentially don't even have the authority to hurt you, to kill you in that way. Only I do. Only I can allow that in your life. Is that encouraging? That's what Jesus is getting at. So listen, what, what does the he this healthy fear of God look like and how, how can it help us begin the process of overcoming fear? So first of all, I think what we need to do is confront what, what we would fear in this world and culture today about a person like that, right? I mean, most of us would have a, probably a very healthy and natural fear towards, and, and our perception would be, well, that person would be a bully, would be a tyrant, would be a vindictive person. Like the minute you cross them, they're just going to enrage, you know, attack you. That's the kind of person or being that most of us would say, well, yeah, you should be, you should be afraid of that and fearful of that kind of person. So again, for the non-Christian, even for some Christians, the idea of, of God being fear, of having fear of God is like, oh, like how do I even understand that when this is my perception of fear in the natural world? Makes sense, right? It's a little bit like our, our attitude towards love, right? God is love, and we get that. And so if God is love, why would God also be someone to fear? Well, it's also because we don't really understand the love of God, do we? It's not the same thing as human love, exactly. It is different. And the fear of God, as well, is different. Sadly, this is how many, uh, what I like to call radical evangelical atheists, present God, isn't it, in our world today? They're evangelical because they're preaching all the time. I don't know about you, but I see them on, online. They're preachers, okay? And, and the, pr the presentation they make of is, look, God is that kind of God. You should fear him because, look, he punished in a brutal way his own son. And, and don't forget all of the ites that he put to death in the Old Testament. You know, the Hadites, the Hit, Hit, Malachites, you know, all the ites, right? And, and he's that kind of God. Like, you should fear that kind of God. In fact, who in the world would want to worship that kind of God? It's a good point. But again, let's remember the audience that Jesus is speaking to. These are primarily Jewish men and women. And, and when they heard these words from Jesus, fear God, it had a completely different meaning, a meaning that's not well taught in the church today, which is why we're speaking about it and teaching it here today. But their understanding of the fear of God was vastly, vastly different. Why? they knew it was about the heart of God. And the heart of God is loving, good, gracious, and compassionate. And for the Jewish audience, the Jewish ear, and should be for us too, the fear of God meant to revere God, to hold him in high esteem, to respect God more than anything or anyone else. It meant to look to him for all of life, for all of your needs. Why? Because he's, he's the good and better and perfect patriarch. He's, he's, he's God who loves us. That's what the fear of God literally meant. And they would have heard that and understood that clearly coming from Jesus. And so Jesus says, as long as there's anything in this world, hear this, anything in or anyone in this world that you fear more than God, you are going to be a slave to that fear. It's going to overcome you. It's going to overcome you. If you fear man, you will be a slave to fear. But if you fear God, then you will be free. For if you fear God, listen, 
there's nothing else to fear. Number three, overcoming fear. Jesus ends with these two verses. Remarkable. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? I mean, you go from killing the body to fearing God to are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are more of more value than many sparrows. Now, I oftentimes think that our perception of Jesus is that he's so serious, you know, that he probably doesn't have a very good sense of humor, that maybe he d in, in three and a half years of ministry, he never laughed once, right? We only have certain recorded words, but I, I want you to see this today, not, not in a joking way, but, but this, this is evidence that, that Jesus has a bit of a twinkle in his eye. It's, it's a bit tongue-in-cheeky the way that he is presenting this. He, he, he also, listen, he can see still probably some fear on their faces and in their eyes, and, he, and he's loving them, and, and the way he puts this is amazing. And so the context, again, is important here. Everyone who heard these words would have very quickly got the point and realized that Jesus was, yes, being serious, but kind, loving, and playful. The best comparison I can make for you with uh, sparrows, it's the best I can do. It's not exactly the same, but would be chicken McNuggets, okay? Like, in, in that day, like, except the sparrows were alive, but then they were killed so they could be eaten. But in that day, like, a sparrow was like what the poorest of the poor people could afford to buy to eat. They couldn't afford larger birds and, and lambs, for goodness sake. They couldn't, they couldn't afford that. So five sparrows was pretty typical that, you know, for a couple of pennies, which is like a tenth of a day's wage, you know, you could afford five sparrows, and if you cooked them up, those five sparrows would be a little bit of nourishment. And so they would see that, and they would understand that, that this is what Jesus is getting. And then he talks about the hairs of their head. Can you imagine that? Like, I did some research on that. I don't know if you know this, but the average human being who's not follically challenged, okay? It's some of us, I know, I understand. Uh, but the average human being uh, has about 125,000 hairs on their head. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but blondes actually have an average of 150,000 hairs on their head, which explains why blondes have more fun. I don't know. But really, it, just a little, but it's important because of this reason, right? Some of us uh, might be thinking this way. A skeptic might go, come on, come on. Sure, science can, can figure out the number of hairs on, I mean, that's why we have these stats on individuals' heads. But eight billion people at any time, dying, being birthed, whatever, like, who can know that? Well, it's a good question, and it actually can be answered from the world of logic, which is quite scientific. And it is this, if it can be known, and scientists would say, well, yes, if we had the computing power, and yes, it could be done. If it can be known, God knows it. God does know it. So it's beautiful, isn't it? God is, <laughs> Jesus is, guys, I know, God knows every single sparrow that's on the planet right now that's still breathing. I care about them too. But the reality is, I know every hair on your head. You are the crown of our creation. How much more do you think I love you, who actually has a conscience and a spirit within them, a soul within them that can commune with me? And this is why Jesus concludes with fear not. 
And it's beautiful because in a few weeks, you're going to see him conclude with these words again in chapter 12, verse 32, where he says, fear not, little flock of what? Birds? No. Sheep. Disciples. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you his whole kingdom. So knowing that do not fear man or even death replaces the fear with a healthy fear of God who loves us so much more than even little tiny birds that he knows the number of, right? And he provides for, and he knows you intimately, even the number of hairs on your head better than you know yourself, and he will provide for all of your needs. Keep you completely safe when you need him most. And so finally, in conclusion, overcoming fear begins with that. It begins with a healthy fear and knowledge of who God is and what he has done and what he is going to do, what he's going to accomplish. It begins with that. But what should that look like for you and for I today? Make him known. Spread the word. Do not fear. Go, talk about him. Share him with your family, with your friends. Do I need to tell you where else you could do that? Let me ask you this. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? If Jesus was here today and he was leaving here today, do you think he would tweet anything? Do you think he would share anything on Facebook? Do you think he would respond to anything? Yes, I do. You know why? He did then. What did it get him? The cross. And that's why he said to all of you and to me, by the way, here's what you need to do. Take up your cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. Do what I do. He says, you know, I know this is hard, but he basically says, look, yes. Yes. You want to follow me? You want to be mine? You are going to be persecuted. This is not a maybe. It's it's going to be. And yes, in some places in the world, and yes, in some ways, the man is going to kill you. They're going to harm you. They're going to hurt you. And yes, maybe it's possible you will fall out of a boat and there will be a very large animal there that might devour you. But you know what? You're safe, even there, because I'm there and I will save you and I will protect you. You will not die. You will not die. You are alive now in the spirit if you have him and you will be alive in the spirit for eternity. Amen. Amen. Lastly, let me leave you with this. Here's how, when we go into this world and we share, here's what we can do. You have the option to do one of two things. Very simple. You and I have the option in everything that we respond to, socially, in conversation, wherever it might be, we have the opportunity to respond in one of two ways. We can speak life into a situation, into a person's brokenness and life, or we can speak death. Think about that before you share and where your heart's at on that. Pray with me, would you?